Hello, I'm Kim Lynch and welcome to Overcast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. Following on from the previous episode, we're rejoined by Dr. Tim Keady to discuss some of the various factors to influence silage digestibility. Tim covers a wide range of factors from harvest date, pre-closing management, hidden date to sward type. We also discuss some of the pros and cons to Wilton. We discuss the potential to make high quality silage later in the season, with Tim offering some key tips to achieve this. Tim discusses the impact of poor preservation. We discuss the role of additives, with Tim explaining how each of these work. We also discuss the impact of chop length has on stock performance. We finish up with Tim summarising the key points to consider to produce high feed value silage. But we start off with Tim giving a quick recap on why the production of high quality silage gives producers a lot more options for the coming winter. We spent time in the last podcast talking about the impact of digestibility and if you've got high digestibility silage, how it gives the producer two options, either maintain, concentrate and increase performance or maintain, cons- maintain animal performance at a reduced level of concentrate feeding. Just to reiterate, um, like just take an example, I'm not going to go into too much detail, that if you delay a harvest by one week, you get a decline in digestibility by 3.3 percentage units on average. And that's based on a bit review of the literature. If you take that where you reduced harvest date by one week, you reduce digestibility, you reduce the energy concentration of the silage, and you in- reduce the intake characteristics. That means that if you were to feed that silage to a pregnant ewe, you need about 10 kilos extra concentrate just to maintain performance during their pregnancy. If you fed it to a finishing beef bullock, they'd need approximately uh, 1.5 kilos of concentrate just to maintain performance. And if you're feeding it to a dairy cow, you need about 1.8 kilos of concentrate to maintain performance. So the main factor that affects digestibility is harvest date. And each week you delay harvest, you're dropping digestibility by about three and a half percentage units. Take me through that in a wee bit more detail. Like you set a target in the last episode, you want to have 75 plus DMD silage. What impact has yes. harvest date now? Yes, harvest date is the key thing that affects it. So that each week we're delaying, we're dropping by three and a half. How are we going to make it? Ideally, the swords uh, should have been closed off uh, in some would have been closed off in some time in some farms uh, just prior to Christmas if they if they remove sheep off the flock off the swords, or even where sheep would have been grazing uh, the swords out to the first of April. Then them paddocks that have been well grazed till the first of April they still have the ability to produce a 75 plus DMD silage. And the aim with them is that you'll be going in the next week to, next week to harvest the crop, a standing leafy crop. You'll take a small cut in bulk, but you'll produce high quality. And that high quality means that you'll, be, you'll have yours that'll be lambed down in good condition next spring. Uh, you can reduce concentrate feed level and you'll have lambs with good birth weight and that will have a high survivability. The other factors, Kieran, that would that would affect digestibility would be crop lodging, and as you can see, there's a lot of very heavy thunder showers crossing the country at the moment. And if you have a heavy crop, uh, these showers can cause the crops to lodge. If it's a light crop, they, 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 the plants will start to stand up again. But if it's a heavy crop, uh, lodging will result in an acceleration in the rate of decline in digestibility. And as I said earlier on, that each week you delay harvest, you drop by about 3.3 percentage units DMD. But in a large crop, the rate of, the rate of drop in digestibility would be two times that. So you'd lose about six or seven units uh, DMD in a large crop situation. Uh, a lot of people talk about sward type. Uh, and the evidence clearly shows that all permanent pastures that are harvested at the correct stage of growth are consistently capable 
are producing high D and D silage, similar to that from Pinya Ryegrass wards. So while the perception among people may be that all permanent pastures will produce low quality grass silage, the bottom line is that if you harvest them at the correct stage of growth, then they will produce high DMD silage and they'll produce reasonable yields. In the last few days, I've seen swords that would have been receded in the, in the mid uh, 1950s, producing yields and digestibility similar to the fields beside them coming off with DMDs of about 75% plus. Uh, the last thing that, that, that really affects digestibility is the heading date of the, uh, of the grass that's in the, in the swards. And as you know, premium ryegrasses, uh, they're ranked based on their heading date. So you've got intermediate and late heading varieties. So just cut a long story short. If you took, if you compared intermediate heading varieties with late heading varieties, where the intermediate heading varieties would be heading out around the 19th of May, and the late heading, the late heading varieties heading out around the 13th of June, the evidence shows that if you want to get the same DMD from the late heading varieties, you need to harvest them within eight days of that of the early heading varieties. That means you're harvesting the late heading varieties in the absence of any seed head emergence, and you're taking a slightly different, uh, a slightly reduced bulk or uh, bulk or yield in the crop of silage that you're harvesting for your first cut. If you decided that you're going to delay harvesting the late heading varieties until the 13th of June at 50% year emergence, similar to that from the medium heading varieties and the 19th of May, 24 days difference between the heading dates, then digestibility will be seven percentage points lower in the late heading varieties than it will be in the intermediate heading varieties. So just to take that hidden date one a little bit further, whereas it is indicative and has an effect, it's the stay, it's the timing of cutting is going to have a bigger effect. The time of year you cut it has a bigger effect on digestibility than waiting for the hidden on each of these varieties. Yes, it probably has, but you must take into account there are two things that impact digestibility in any sward grass. And that's why it's important to walk the sward prior to cutting. The first one is what's happening at the top of the sward canopy, namely seed head emergence. But the second thing to take into consideration is what is happening at the bottom of the canopy, and that is the accumulation of dead leaf material. And often, when you're making a decision to cut, you have to base your decision on what's happening at the base of the sward because a lot of dead material coming in from the base of the sward will have a greater negative effect than a few seed heads emerging at the top of the canopy. No, that's a good point. I just picked that one up. You touched on this already. You mentioned earlier about how swords are grazed late in the back end with sheep or already this spring. Removing that dead material, Tim, probably less an issue in sheep farms because more than likely that ground has been grazed this spring or very late on. Some cattle pastures maybe are dedicated silage ground. That dead boat, or if there's a large carryover, what impact does that on digestibility? Well, if there's a large carryover material, and I presume by large you're saying where it wasn't grazed since the early December, yeah, exactly. then what you're talking about there, Kieran, is that you're going to get an accumulation of dead material at an earlier date in, the, in, in, in May than if it had been grazed out. So basically the bottom line is that if you closed early, you harvest early, and if you decide that you're still going to delay harvest on the 20th or the 25th of May, you're going to get a reduction in digestibility of five or six percentage points because of the accumulation of dead material at the bottom of your sward. So what you gain in bulk, you're going to lose in quality. That's right, yeah. But the beauty is that if you them graze there, if you them closed early, it gives you a greater opportunity to harvest them early. And if you're taking a second cut from the same ground to get a good yield of material at a reason, at an early harvesting date for your second cut and get plenty of grazing for the rest of the season. So then it's really want to be out really by now. 
Yep. Tim, I just want to throw another one to you. There's probably a bit of a misconception about second cut silage or cuts later in the season. Um, from a digestibility point of view, it's still possible to make high quality silage later in the year. What are the couple of key things though you need to consider if that's what your target is? If you haven't enough made now, can you make it up later on? Uh, the simple answer to that, Kieran, is yes. The evidence would show that it's quite possible and consistently possible to produce high DMD silage from second. And if you had to take a later cut silage, a third cut silage, or silage has been cut out in August. The key point is the same as for first cut, that when you're closing the sward, that you try and have a great bear or as much of the dead material removed as possible. That the adequate amount of nitrogen fertilizer is applied, that you target a harvest date of six to seven weeks after you apply the nitrogen. When you're mowing the sward, that you don't mow the sward too close to the ground or too bare, because the dead material at the bottom will have, bottom will have a low digestibility, and if you result in soil contamination, that would bring down digestibility also. Okay, so the game's not up for that. Look, just the last one maybe on that section, Tim, preservation of that, and it's probably something you're going to come back to a little bit more later on. That, I'm assuming, too, can have a bit of an impact on digestibility. Preservation has an effect on digestibility, Kieran, because if fermentation, is, if the silage is in silage untreated and you get a poor fermentation, digestibility can drop by about 3 to 5 percentage points. Okay, so that also has an impact. We have a cut now, we've set that target in it. Talk to me a little bit about Wilton, pros and cons of it. Well, sure, the, the, the major pro is uh, it reduces effluent production, it improves insolubility, it reduces the weight of material that you have to transport to the silo, it reduces the weight of material that you're transporting from the silo to the sh sheds next winter for feed out, and for sheep, it reduces straw, straw requirement for bedding animals. Any negatives? Yes, well, uh, it can't, then one of the negatives is that it increases forage intake. And sometimes for the big increase in forage intake, it's questionable about the improvement in animal performance. But before I talk about the negatives, I think we, it's important to reiterate that a rapid wilt is essential. And if you're talking about wilting grass, uh, there's two things that affects the rate of moisture removal from the crop. Firstly, is the density of the canopy. And by that, I mean is, if you take, we'll say, two swarts thrown on top of each other versus the swart tethered out evenly across the surface area, the two swarts on top of each other has a higher density in the canopy. That means that it's going to take a lot longer for the moisture to come out of it. And the second factor from a weather point of view is that solar radiation or sunshine is king when it comes to drying grass, and it's more important than wind. Wind will remove the surface moisture, but solar radiation or sunshine will start to remove internal moisture. So if you're wilting grass, the objective is to try and cut it with the standing crop when it's dry. And secondly, have the tether coming immediately after the mower to cover as much ground as possible because the stomata in the, pla in the, in the plants is, are open and they close about an hour to two hours after the crop is mowed. And that slows down the rate of, of moisture uh, removal from the plant. The third thing I'd also think that's important is that you row up about a half an hour ahead of the harvester and no longer. Rowing it up, it turns the bottom upside down a small bit and helps you to remove some surface moisture that may still be on the crop. But having it tethered out for as long as possible is the best way to uh, remove moisture. 
The third thing is, ideally, you'd ensile it 24 hours after wilting, but not longer after 36 hours after the wilting, because wilting can have a negative effect on digestibility. In some crops, where the crops are left maybe for 48 hours on the ground and left in, uh, left in the swart, digestibility can drop by two or three percentage point units. Get in straight away, ted it out, roll up, try to get done within 36 hours or more. Yeah, and if you're looking for an op, what's the optimum dry matter to ensile at? I'd say an optimum dry matter is about 27, 25 to 30 percentage points. I, I, once effluent is, 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 is stopped flowing, for me, that is the optimum uh, dry matter to, to ensile it. Ensiling in a too dry will can result in, face, in problems at the silo phase at the back end or next winter when you start to feed out. Also, it's important that when you are uh, tedding and raking grass, that these two machines are set correctly. The last thing you want is for the, either machine to be picking up soil because soil is going to have a lower digestibility and it's going to have a negative effect on animal performance. And the risk of hysteria as so well, definitely something I, you don't I want. Think, I think you asked a question earlier on what the impact it has on animal performance. And the evidence, older evidence would show where the rate of wilting was, was, was slow that you increased intake and had little or no effect on animal performance. More recent data from a mean of 11 comparisons with dairy cows showed that wilting uh, increased, slightly increased milk yield, the concentrations of butterfat and milk protein, resulting in a 6% combined increase in fat and protein yield, but at a cost of a 16% increase in silage intake of lactate and dairy cows. So there's a bit of a trade-off there. I suppose the converse then to Wilton is what you do in showery weather. Like you take uh, at the moment, ground conditions are, are pretty good. And you can get weather where there are situations where you may end up with maybe one shower that's not too heavy during the day. And there is evidence to show that if grass is, is suitable for ensiling at about 18 or 19 percent dry matter, that's the standing dry crop. Then if it goes in uh, wet, uh, we'll say at 14 percent dry matter, for, forgetting about the major issues you'll have with effluent, you'll result in the same fermentation and also result in the same levels of animal performance. So my point here is that if you mow down grass in, in showery weather conditions and are able to mow it down dry, once the grass is rolled up prior to rain coming, then you can harvest on and bring in grass at, at a dry matter of about 20%. So in other words, I wouldn't be delaying harvesting for a prolonged period of time in the hope of wilting, getting a wilt, because that may not happen. And if that wasn't to happen, then you'd end up with wet silage of lower digestibility. Unbroken weather, you just have to take your chance. Look, I just want to finish up with you. I know you could probably talk for an entire episode on this one, but just a little bit on additives and the role yes. in, in silage production. Yeah, uh, if you went back 20 to 30 years, I'd say about half of the grass in Ireland was in silos treated with an additive. It would be down somewhere about 10 to 20% at the moment. There, there were many different classes of silage additives. There was acids, uh, organic and inorganic. Uh, there was sugars, there was enzymes, there was bacteria, there was absorbents. Uh, people use additives for different reasons. They may use it to improve fermentation, to reduce effluent flow with an absorbent, uh, to try and increase DMD, but that doesn't work. But the bottom line is that uh, for me, the most important measure uh, or reason to select an additive is an additive that's proven to increase animal performance. Because at the end of the day, as a producer, you're rewarded for the increased level of performance or products that you produce 
and you're not rewarded for what is the fermentation or the analysis of the silage that you get back from an analysis sheet. So I suppose to summarise in turn, uh, which ones work and which ones don't. The use of an effective inoculant across a wide range of conditions will increase the performance of beef cattle and lactating dairy cows. Uh, formic acid under very difficult conditions where if the material was inside untreated, it would be uh, poorly preserved. And other additives such as sulfuric acid, enzyme-based additives, uh, molasses, they'll all improve silage fermentation, but there is a lack of evidence to show that it results in a significant improvement in animal performance. Tim, just in terms of the mode of action of those additives, look, the acids are probably straightforward enough, they're also in the pH. The inoculants, how do they work? They affect it differently in terms of the pathway of the fermentation. So, for example, when you're feeding out whatever in three, five to six months' time, you would find sometimes you find no difference in the fermentation of an inoculant treated silage compared to an untreated silage. But the pathway to that fermentation is totally different in that the use of an effective inoculant will result in a more rapid decline in pH. And when you get a rapid decline in pH, what is happening is that you're going to get the retention of a, a greater proportion of the more soluble components of the plant due to the rapid and efficient fermentation. Subsequently, retaining more soluble components is going to result in an increase in digestibility. And from a review of the literature of about 40 comparisons a number of years ago, we found that it increased the digestibility by about two and a half percentage units. And the use of some particular products were increasing digestibility by about three and a half percentage units. So to cut a long story short, uh, is to re it results from the pathway fermentation being more rapid, resulting in a retention of more soluble co components, resulting in an increase in digestibility. And to go back to where we were at the beginning of this podcast and where we talked about in the previous podcast about the importance of digestibility, that uh, the increase in digestibility of about three to three and a half percent units from some products is equivalent to the rate of decline in digestibility that would occur if you harvested the silage one week later. Or the, the benefit in digestibility is equivalent to uh, if you had harvested the material one week earlier. So you increase digestibility, you increase intake characteristics and you increase energy concentration of the plant. So what you spend on it, you're actually getting back in terms of improved performance in animal afterwards. The important thing is that if you're looking at these products, you need to look for evidence to show that the particular product that you're using uh, was successful and worked in under conditions in which you propose to use it. And yes, uh, at today's prices, if it's an effective product, you will get an economic response. Tim, when we're talking about harvesting, it would be remiss me not to ask you about chocolate and the effect that that can potentially have on performance. Yeah, a lot of work was done back in the 70s and 80s at the time that single chops, double chops and uh, trail precision chop harvesters were quite common. And the evidence would clearly show that for finishing beef cattle and lactating dairy cows, chocolate had little or no effect on animal performance. However, the sheep is a different type of animal. And the evidence from that time would show that reduce, reducing chopped lint will increase silage intake of pregnant Jews and finishing lamb, subsequently increasing uh, lamb performance. Still, my preference would be in the sheep system uh, to have high digestibility regardless of chopped lint, rather than having the finely chopped low DMD grass silage. Also, depending on the system that's been used in uh, some sheep farms because of flock size, etc., it may not be economically viable to consider precision chopping, particularly for making big bales. So while chopping is important, I'd be focusing on digestibility. So basically, Tim, we have the option for precision chop pit, preferable, but always go for quality date, whatever works your own system. So just maybe in conclusion, 
the couple of key things that we need to focus on to produce the 75 plus DMD silage? The first thing, Kieran, is uh, focus on digestibility. Uh, digestibility declines by about 3.3% of units per week. So harvest date is the most important factor. Uh, try and harvest as soon as possible. Uh, set the harvester for about four centimetres of a, a off the ground so that you're not taking in the real dead material at the base of the canopy and also that you're not getting any soil contamination. If you're wilting, and I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, but if you are wilting, you need to have a rapid wilt. So in soil after 24, 36 hours maximum, if you are wilting, tell it out immediately after mowing. The most important thing is that these machines are set correctly so you won't get any soil contamination. Targeted dry matter concentration for a pit of about 28% for bales at about 30 to 35%. If you decide to go with an additive, the important selection criteria for a silage additive is its proven ability to increase animal performance. We're basically talking about formic acid under extreme difficult conditions or an effective proven inoculant uh, under a wide range of conditions. And finally, in terms of chopped lint, ideally, the finer the chop, the better for sheep. There's no effect on performance of beef or dairy cattle. But use the machinery to suit the system that you're already, that's most economically viable for your particular farm. Digestibility is king. Tim, good having you on. Certainly timely information. Many thanks. Thank you, Kieran. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. So for the past two episodes, you'll have got some sense of the importance of high-quality, high-feed value silage has in different systems production, as well as some of the key factors that can influence how we go about producing it. Perhaps this year more than ever, we need to focus on producing high-quality silage as it gives producers a lot more options next winter and can help negate some of that increase in import costs that we're likely to see. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from our sheep programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chocolate Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and get notified of any new episodes.